Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Potdiva. Happy New Queer. I've stolen that one off you, Roxy. Sorry, but you write all the best lines. You do know that, don't you? <laughs> oh, well, you deliver it so beautifully, Rachel. You're welcome <laughs> to it. A happy new queer one and all. Happy new queer one and all. You're listening to Pod Diva. If you're an LGBTQIA plus woman or non-binary person, this is your weekly podcast. I'm Rachel Shelley and today I'm coming to you from the wilds of the English seaside. There are a million sparrows having some kind of, I don't know if they're celebrating, let's say they're having a party outside my window, celebrating the fact that the snow has gone, but there is a storm also whipping the window. So it may sound a bit crazy and wild, a bit Kathy, a bit Wuthering Heights maybe. (laughs) Sorry about that. I'm joined on the Diva Debrief today by Diva's wonderful editor-in-chief, her royal divaness, queen of the divas, none other than Roxy Bordion. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Rachel of all Rachelness, pod diva of all pod divaness. Always a pleasure and a privilege to be here partying on pod diva with you and the lovely sparrows. Partying on pod diva, that is what it is. It's like a little weekly party. It's true. Every week, Pod Diva is like a glorious, glossy magazine in your ear. Yeah, I like that. A glorious, glossy magazine in your ear. Obviously, I stole Happy New Queer from you, Roxy. Your gorgeous editor's letter this month in Diva's January issue. You talk about New Year's resolutions, suggesting one of them could be finding more queer joy. We always have a lot of queer joy here on Pod Diva. Every week, you could say, is a huge spanking dollop of queer joy in one form or another but your editor's letter this January issue Roxy had me looking up and you're going to tell me how to say it because I don't even know I didn't even know it was a thing what a carabiner carabiner how do you say it I say carabiner 
Carabina. That almost yeah. sounds tropical. Carabina. <laughs> Tell us what that is, Roxy. Tell us what you wrote about a little there, because I had to look that up. The editor's letter. So January issue, obviously a lot of people thinking about their new quiz resolutions. And I do not want to be telling any of our fabulous perfect readers to change one little thing about themselves so instead of advocating for so-called self-improvement I just wanted to maybe suggest a couple of ways to bring a bit more happiness and encourage people to step into their power and just not to change anything about themselves but to embrace themselves and embrace queer joy in 2023 and one of the ways of doing that could be by treating themselves to a lovely shiny new carabiner for the uninitiated. That's me. I put my (laughs) hand up as uninitiated. That's it. So a carabiner, it is a ring of keys or like a climber's hook that's used for climbing. And also you can like keep your keys on it. But more importantly than that, a carabiner, it's kind of iconic in queer culture. Like it's very much a signifier of queerness and particularly of butch identity. So there's this gorgeous song in Alison Bechdel's musical Fun Home. There's this song and it's called Ring of Keys. And it's this fantastic sort of ode to butch lesbianism and it's one butch lesbian singing about the time that she saw another butch lesbian and it's so so good and it says your swagger and your bearing and the just right clothes you're wearing (laughs) your short hair and your dungarees and your lace-up boots and your keys oh your ring of keys oh it's historically and still I think to some extent to this day a way for particularly butch lesbians or butch people to give a little nod a little nod and a little recognition of queerness to each other that's amazing I didn't know that you see I've had one of those for 30 years I think I've had this same one which is kind of crazy but I can remember when I first sort of had my own place to live many years ago and I got one of those how do we say it carabiner I think we say carabiner I need to double check but I think we do well let's that's how we're saying it because it does sound tropical which I quite like in the middle of January (laughs) I've always had that and I had no idea about this I had no idea about the signification of it you didn't know why all these butch lesbians were winking at you Rachel and flashing (laughs) their carabiners at you you had no idea (laughs) I always just presumed that was because they recognized me but maybe that was my big-headedness and I was me because it wasn't they were just thinking "Uh uh-huh hello (laughs) I don't know. That's so funny because now also it's spreading out of queer culture is what I then in my little investigation online and it's gone into fashion. It's it's in fashion. It's keeping skirts up. It's holding belts in place bras fastened keeping your cups and your puppies together at the front I mean it's it's all over the place I thought that was wild that that had passed me by absolutely and you know the queer community queer women and queer men and queer non-binary people we have often not to toot our own trumpets but we have often inspired fashion trends that then enter the mainstream and loads of people who work in the fashion industry obviously are LGBTQIA as well but yeah it is so interesting isn't it because it's this sort of it was this secret yeah sapphic tradition yes and actually now there it is you know it's out on there the catwalks of Milan it's running wild it's brilliant also you mentioned in your editor's letter you have this new hashtag be more bet which I love. I mean, how could anyone not love it? Look at this cover. 
Roxy. Look at the January cover of Diva magazine. Jennifer Beals on the cover. Let's just talk a little bit about that straight away. Dive straight in. How did you manage to get Jennifer Beals on the cover? I mean, tell me the process, Roxy. Oh my goodness. So I feel like the whole time I've been working at Diva, I just feel like I'm on I'm on almost a constant mission of trying to get L word covers for Diva magazine. <laughs> because, you know, we love the show. Obviously, you're a massive part of the L word fabulousness and we love you and we love you being involved in Diva. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's such an important show, possibly more important than any other show for the lesbian and LGBTQIA community. And it just means such an awful lot to us and to our readers. So when there is a new season, like there's the new season of the L Word Generation Q, we want to celebrate the moment and we want to secure the cover star. It was fantastic that we got the wonderful Jennifer for the cover. I mean, I don't want to give too much behind the scenes gossip away, but it is always high on my list of priorities and I will, I will stop at nothing. To get that L word cover. <laughs> <laughs> and you did it. Success. And well worth it. Obviously, in your professional position, that's a great coup. That's fantastic. But for you personally, Roxy, I mean, I know you've talked about in the article about growing up watching the L word. I mean, and Bet has always been your favorite character, which <laughs> I'm not upset by at all. I mean, I. <laughs> I, I, I really don't mind. I don't mind that, Roxy. That's okay. I'm not at all upset. But anyway, oh, this what was this the first time you interviewed her, or have you interviewed her before? Oh my goodness! So first of all, I can't let that slide. I mean, Helena Peabody's <laughs> got to be up there, my darling. Obviously, I love Bet Porter. Obviously, I'm a Bet Porter aficionado. But Helena Peabody and Peggy Peabody and Alice Ooh, and Shane, the Peabody. This is it. The Peabody. Body dynasty. I mean, I could make a case for pretty much all of the L word cast being my favourite characters. So I'm not playing favourites. But I do admit there's something about Bet Porter. Maybe Bet's the one who I'd love to kind of be as self possessed as Bet is. Yes. Like I'd love to have that confidence when I was a, you know, closeted lesbian, which I have written about and spoken about before. It was a huge show for me in my own journey. There was something about seeing Bet being so unapologetically a lesbian and saying whatever she thought. And I also always loved that she said whatever she thought in rooms full of men as well. I always found that quite fabulous and yes. kind of powerful. So I guess that's why I thought Be More Bet yeah. is a nice sort of outlook to have. And obviously don't we don't want to do everything Bet's done necessarily. <laughs> no. You know, no. there's been a few questionable moments in the in the Bet Porter <laughs> epic saga that we've yeah. had over the eighteen years. I'm not saying go and, you know, go and start having something with the carpenter that's that's your own decision to make that is your own decision to make <laughs> but what I am saying is how about step into your power and feel yeah. good about who you are and feel okay about taking up that space and and having that kind of confidence in yourself yeah which I just think that Bet does that like Bet has definitely got that presence which I very much admire and would like to cultivate in my own life. Yes, I think so too. And it's funny because having played Helena Peabody, being slightly that character when I first came in, like all power mm. to her, she was very strong. But then she gets completely broken. 
for me, that's how they changed the Helena character by breaking her down so completely where she couldn't, you know, she couldn't stop eating crisps and getting out of bed, which makes Helena not quite as aspirational. I don't know if I'm allowed to even say that. I know what you mean, because when Helena first came into the show, you very much, you were almost set up as like a counterpoint for Bet, weren't you? The nemesis, absolutely, yes, yes. yes. And and having the thing with Tina as well, absolutely. That's it. And you were so fabulously dressed and so sort of charismatic and confident. You were, you absolutely Mm. were. Yeah. But you're so right that over the course of the series, we then, as you say, we saw the vulnerabilities, which it was nice. Nice to see, but we did definitely see that character go on that journey 100%. Yes. Yeah. Mm. I mean, comes back at the end, comes back strong at the end, but different, yes. comes back slightly different. She's had this big life lesson and she's changed from it, which is, you know, which is great. She's had that growth. Anyway, amazing. I mean, I actually interviewed Jennifer myself quite a few years ago. When was that? August 2010 Mm. for Diva Magazine. And that was quite daunting because she was a friend, but also I was having to go in as a journalist to some Mm. extent. The edges there were quite blurred. You can't step over a particular point, obviously. And I would never do that. It was slightly daunting. The blurred lines there of... Jennifer Beals plays Bette Porter. You are interviewing Jennifer Beals. Does the Bette Porterness of it make you feel a bit intimidated? I remember as a student journalist once having the opportunity to interview Ruby Wax. Oh, wow. I was only 19 mm. and I was petrified, absolutely petrified. And at the last moment, she cancelled and I remember I was relieved. Mm. Because I just thought it was just too scary. Do you feel like that at all? Or is it different for you now? Oh, my goodness. Well, of all the different, you know, celebrities or people that I've interviewed, Jennifer Beals does have a certain <laughs> a certain significance, I guess, in my own journey. That's really interesting because that is something, you know, we're talking about lesbian representation. We're talking about cultural and emotional impact that playing that character has had so we're talking about stuff that I have a personal stake in as a lesbian who grew up in the closet and watched L Word and that helped me feel empowered and and seen and everything but then I definitely have to sort of temper my fangirling a little bit I think I have to put on my professional head and think (laughs) gosh I can't spend 30 minutes just going on and on about that scene from episode one you know Um, so I guess I have to try and get a balance of it because I think it's nice particularly with Diva because you're talking about personal meaningful stuff and it has that meaning to me and she understands that meaning because of the part she's played and the activist she is so it's nice not to shut all of that part of me away in a closet but it's also I can't let that take over the show that wouldn't be (laughs) that wouldn't be good so it is a bit of a you know it's getting the balance right and I try not to put too much of that of myself into the conversation because it's not about me but also I am there representing the diva reader and Jennifer has been that figure for a lot of us so I've gone around the houses with my answer but basically yes I still get a little bit Oh, okay. Okay, Jennifer, let's do this. That's fine. But I try and, you know, pull my lesbian socks up and uh, try and be as professional as I can while also, you know, being authentic and and talking honestly about the real stuff that that we're dealing with here. I think you did that brilliantly, Roxy. I think the interview is a lovely balance of we can hear your energy 
but it's obviously you interviewing Jennifer and I think it's I think it's beautiful and she does a very nice thing I think at the beginning where she goes completely off tangent and is talking about her experience you'll have to listen this is next week listeners you can hear the whole interview next week on Pod Diva she starts off by talking about going foraging in the forest and it's so disarming and that's what's brilliant about Jennifer generally is the extremes of her so she's playing this character very much in the boardroom and an executive and a strong powerful woman and yet she goes off and looks at mushrooms (laughs) I mean it's beautiful and that's what makes her the mystery around Jennifer Mm. Beals around Bette Porter we'll talk a little bit more about the interview later but first of all we're going to do a little bit of traveling I mean really travel we we are going to go to the other end of the world where it's summer we're going to Australia It's about as far away as you can get from our little country. We are going to hear from KJ, who's a diva listener and diva reader. She used to live in Queensland, which she calls Australia's redneck state. That's not me saying that. That's what KJ says. She now lives in Bendigo, which is central Victoria in Australia, a small town with big aspirations. She taught for 25 years. She's now in her 50s. She's a writer and she's won a Goldie or what they call the GCLS Award, an organization dedicated to promoting women-loving women literature. She won a Goldie for her novel called Ignis. Marriage equality happened in Australia in 2017. That's when KJ and her wife got married. In the UK, it happened in 2013. So here's a little piece from Australia. They wouldn't have dared come out publicly. I lived in Queensland and it was Australia's redneck state. Still is. My name is KJ and I live in Bendigo in central Victoria in Australia. I used to be a teacher and I adored it. It was 1992 and although being a lesbian wasn't a suckable situation, Life became awful for any queer person if they were known as that gay one. I taught for 25 years and I miss it desperately. I'm 50 now. It would have been hell in the staff room with whispers and whatnot. I'm sure one of my colleagues would have spread rumours among the parents or something. I'd been diagnosed with bipolar and anxiety the year prior. And I think my brain just said, that's it. Anyway, I whacked open the closet door loudly when I was 27, looked about for all the other lesbians and found them on the local softball team, which I promptly joined. Bendigo actually does qualify as a city because the population is just over 100,000 people. But it's in a rural area. There are TV commercials for tractors and irrigation. I've only ever lived in big cities. Sydney, the Gold Coast, Melbourne, Hong Kong. So to move to Bendigo was quite a shock. I couldn't get over the lack of traffic. I mean, there's still traffic. But it's mainly people in utes and trucks carrying hay bales. Of course... We still have the quite berserk pedestrian crossing signals. They're standard. Apparently, 
Billie Eilish heard the noise on her visit to Sydney and loved the rhythm so much that she sampled it for Bad Guy. Australians love it because we can hear our weird, unique pedestrian noise all through the song. Bendigo is quite cosmopolitan for a country town. There's a tram that runs through the middle of town just for tourists. It doesn't go anywhere. The place is full of gardens and bird life and the most gorgeous flower beds. The council makes a huge fuss about the gardens each season. Rightly so. I turn to writing as an outlet from the pain and the grief of leaving my passion. A sapphic novel appeared out of all of that. Two lesbians, one dealing with anxiety and stress. It's slightly autobiographical there. They say, write what you know. I thought, why not sell it? Someone might like it. Well, lots of people did. And so now, I write sapphic novels full time. I've written six. Each one has a bit of me in it. Bendigo has a pride fair where I sell my books. I gave a workshop on writing queer characters in novels during Pride. It was amazing how many people turned up. I feel quite safe here in this city town. In fact, probably more than in the proper city. I met my wife in 2000 at a women's dance. A friend introduced us and I was so nervous that I babbled and said idiotic things. But apparently, my wife thought that I was adorkable. I love that word, adorkable. It suited me, still does. After four years of waiting, our six-month-old son arrived from the orphanage. He's now 12. And when marriage equality was passed in 2017, we instantly, well, a year later, got married. And my wife was allowed to officially become our son's other mum. Writing helps enormously with calming my brain. Moving to Bendigo was another calming my brain strategy. And it's been wonderful for all three of us. Living in Melbourne, life is so frantic. We worshipped at the altar of busyness. And I could feel my wife and I, not disconnecting as such, more like forgetting to see each other. We were too busy in jobs that required more of ourselves than we were giving to each other. So Bendigo has been a saviour, the glue for us, my wife and I. Wings for our son, an easily recognisable road system for my GPS challenged brain. People know us. I go to my local bakery to work on my latest manuscript and they know my coffee order now. But if I walk by someone, I'll be greeted, recognised as a person, and accepted. And that's all anyone wants, isn't it? Cheers, thanks a lot. Thank you so much, KJ, for sending that. And I know, again, it's so personal. People dig in and tell us their lives. And I'm so grateful to everyone who contributes. Thank you, KJ. Roxy, I know that you used to live in Australia. I've been to Australia, but you actually lived there for a while. Can you tell us a bit about that? I did. I did indeed. Well, that was fantastic. Big thanks to KJ for um, for contributing that. 
And I have to say, yes, Australia has such a special place in my heart. And it was very much that I lived there when I was newly out of the closet, first came out and went with my girlfriend at the time. She was going to Australia and I was a lesbian in love, so naturally went with her. Lived in Sydney for several years. And it's so interesting as well. You mentioned marriage equality. So when I lived in Australia, I marriage equality was not yet legal there and me and my girlfriend and our mates in Sydney we were all on the marches we were on the marches at the weekends marching for marriage equality wow that's amazing yeah yeah. so I remember that's that's the really strong memory from there first ever pride festival I went to was in fact Sydney pride so back in the UK I'd been you know, in the closet, and I hadn't been going to these things. We just landed in Sydney. It was Pride Week. Very soon after we'd landed, we were at Mardi Gras, and we were all... Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we were literally at Mardi Gras. Completely jet-lagged. Yeah, jet-lagged, but I've <laughs> got to say, all the gay endorphins in the air. Yes, queer joy. Yeah. Whoa. If you want Best to know how to for jet-lag, jet yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. You could just imagine, you know, a closeted lesbian from Leeds suddenly on the other side of the world, literally suddenly in the bright, bright sunshine, not the northern rain. And suddenly they're surrounded. I'd never seen so many gay, happy faces. And it was just it was so gorgeous. Like I I get tingles just thinking about looking around and seeing all those happy faces. And strangers were coming up and hugging me and I was hugging them and I was dancing with them and I was covered in glitter. And so I just have such have such lovely sparkly memories of of that time. Definitely. I went to a Sydney Pride as well. I was there for just a few months. I was working there. And it was the year that Kylie Minogue was playing. And I oh, think wow. that everyone went crazy. Off the chart with joy. I mean, it really was mm. one of the most memorable experiences of any sort of party I've ever been to. Also, of course, World Pride 2023 is going to be in Sydney. Oh, So that is going to be the mother of all Pride festivals because they certainly know how to throw a Pride. And I think that's just going to be absolutely fabulous. That is incredible. That will be incredible. Are you going to go, Roxy? Are you going to be able to go and cover it for Diva? Oh, well, fingers (gasps) crossed. Fingers crossed. Let me try. (laughs) My fingers are definitely crossed. Let's get you out there. Oh, my goodness. Fantastic. There are some great articles in this month's Diva magazine. I thought there was a really interesting one, Roxy, called I Love Girl (laughs) in print, written by Martine Amotes. Apologies if I haven't said your name correctly, Martine. And it's all about female zines. Zines, Rachel, zines. Zines! (laughs) I'm not really in my 50s. I'm really very young and happening. All about female zines and the GZL, the Girl Zine Library, which is in South End in Essex. It's a really interesting piece because they store and care for feminist and LGBTQIA zines and they sound brilliant. It sounds like an amazing place. I mean, I can imagine going in and the smell of all that paper. You know that funny smell <laughs> that old paper has? It kind of almost sweet. And all these publications that are made, they have a tiny circulation. They're made on kitchen tables. But some of them, from the pictures that are in Diva magazine, they're, they're real art. I mean, beautifully made. They look mm. incredible and stuffed with passion and significance because they are made by people 
for no other reason because they just feel they have to. They're so inspired. And it's all about personal history and connecting to others with the same shared experience. They have zine writing workshops there, which I thought was a great idea. And there's a small guide in the magazine all about how to create your own. And I know there's someone in this household, a younger person in this household, who I think is going to really enjoy that. I thought it was really an inspiring piece. And I made me wonder, Roxy, did you ever make your own little magazine when you were a little girl growing up in Leeds? I mean, I know I did. I did that. Did you ever do it? Oh my God, 100%. I was a I was a very geeky little girl who's grown into quite a geeky lady. But, you know, didn't have all that many friends, but had a lot of homemade magazines. Um, so <laughs> I definitely did that thing of getting the paper and folding it and folding it and folding it. And then you create, you know, you create your zine of dreams. Yeah, I absolutely did. Yes, I had many yes. hours of fun. Yeah. Many hours of solo creative fun making little magazines. I've actually featured the last two I realize now Beyond Borders are about people who get some sort of therapy almost Mm. from writing and creating in that way whether it's the last month's Beyond Borders where she writes reviews of sapphic literature or this month's KJ where she writes and 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 she Mm. finds it therapeutic I mean I don't want to dig too deep Roxy, but you were saying you didn't have that many friends, but you had lots of magazines because they do become cathartic, I think. That sort of writing experience and creating, it's really important. Also, a small discussion there about why Mm. they are popular. Mm. And is it this sort of internet fatigue that maybe, hopefully, is setting in? They're so important at driving cultural change. So many movements have started from kitchen tables and they become larger national international movements it's the seed of these things it's really interesting oh I think. it's so interesting and I think as well if you are not seeing yourself represented in media or in pop culture which is an experience that so many of us have had uh, particularly as queer people yeah. then what a powerful creative response to that is it to actually create your own media, create your own zine, create a representation, create a physical, as you say, a physical artifact that proves, hello, I'm here. Hello, this is my voice. Hello, this is me expressing myself. And it's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about print media, particularly as a lesbian, as a queer person. There's something about holding the physical copy of Diva magazine and I guess holding the physical copy of one of these queer feminist scenes that these amazing creators have made. You hold that in your hands. I exist. I am here. It's been written down, you know? And it is in a world where for so long we've been either hiding our identities or not seeing ourselves represented. To have the written word or the the illustrated word on the page, on that physical artefact, is really powerful. There's a permanence to it that really feels like it holds some weight and means something. I, I totally agree with you on that. Everything that's online, yes, there's a power to that. Of course, we can't. We can't deny that and it's international and it's accessible. But the power of something physical, it's it's tangible that is, like you say, that you can hold. I think that really is empowering in a completely different way. The people who have held it, the people who 
who created it, they actually touched it, they passed it to someone else, who passed it to someone else, and all the hands that have read it and turned the pages. I love that. Mm. As you say, having the magazine in your hands, for example, the January issue of Diva magazine, you're holding, listeners, you will be holding Jennifer Beals (laughs) in your hand on the cover. Well, not quite, but you know what I mean. It's that feeling of... Being a part of something is beautiful. It's such a beautiful cover. Oh, Roxy. thank you so much. We were so, so thrilled to have Jennifer. She is just, oh, she's just pure class act, pure class act. But then you know that, Rachel. You've you've worked with her, you've interviewed her, and she is your friend personally. I'd love to know if you've got any sort of, you know, behind the scenes <laughs> juicy Jennifer stories that you'd be happy to share from your experience with her over the years. Bad Diva. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Pop Diva. 
Well, that's the clause, isn't it? That's the important clause at the end there that you'd be willing to share because as I, <laughs> as I just I was saying before that as someone who was doing this podcast, if I call myself a journalist or a broadcaster, I don't know, but that there are those lines and I wouldn't dare cross them with Jennifer or anyone, anyone that, that I know professionally. I wouldn't dare do that. I did interview her August 2010, I interviewed her. I remember the story that was most striking for me, not knowing her very well at this point. I'd only done the first season, my first season of The L Word, which was season two. We were at the premiere and it wasn't long after Ozzie Davis had died. Ozzie Davis was the actor who played Bette Porter's father and he'd only died, I can't remember, a few months earlier, maybe even less. And a reporter on the red carpet asked her about Ozzy and how she felt and she was genuinely upset. I think she knew him quite well and genuinely grieving him. And then this reporter just went straight in with the next question. And what are you wearing, Jennifer? And she just amid all the chaos of the red carpet and flashlights and all that sort of people shouting and yelling and stand here and look here, Jennifer. Ah, she just gave him a Paddington bear stare and just said, did you hear what I just said to you? She just stopped him in his tracks and said, did you hear what I just said? I was just talking about a friend of mine who died. How can you switch like that? She, And I thought that was so great because although she is part of this Hollywood movement and obviously she she is iconic she could still just stop the train and get off and go no no not playing that game and she did it and I thought I thought that was so telling about her it's like she's involved in it and she's part of it but will it change her who she fundamentally is no will she sacrifice her own position her own beliefs for it no she won't and that's what makes her a stunning woman, basically, inside and out. I really think that. She's been on the cover of quite a few divas. She's been on the August 2007, August 2010, December 2019. And they're just the ones of her on her own. She's also obviously been on covers with a whole load of other women <laughs> who I don't recognize. No, from the L word. All these back copies are still available. If you go online to divadigital.co.uk. Divadigital.co.uk. You can choose your old issues and order them. They're still there. All those beautiful ones of Jennifer and everyone else. All the other amazing people who've been on Diva magazine over the years. Let's hear a tiny clip from the interview, Roxy. And then we'll come back and talk a little bit more. Kind of like a callback. There's a there's a scene in the earlier iteration. I think we're in the elevator, and it's something about coming home. Like I, there's that sentiment where Tina is home, and I think that also speaks to our ability to create our family. You know, our our family doesn't have to be biological. You can find home in other places. It doesn't have to be the home into which you were born. And that's another really powerful and beautiful theme of the show is that chosen family. The friendship scenes with you and Kate and Leisha when you're all together and with the amazing new characters as well. That, I think, is really powerful to see as a queer person on screen. For a lot of queer viewers who may not yet be out, I feel like the cast of The L Word or the characters on The L Word 
that feels like an extended family to a lot of us, which is really powerful. Yes, well, that's what's so interesting about the show, you know, that it's it's a communal experience in some ways. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. so often people watch the show together as well. Yeah. So that it's it's not only they're an extension, the queer community family, but the queer community watches the show often with other people, whether it's in bars or parties at home or it's a communal experience. Diva. And I loved what I loved there, Roxy, is that you and Jennifer talked about the L word being family, about it being a chosen family that so many queer people generate for themselves. The piece that I did a few weeks back about the L word generation Q, and I asked for contributions from listeners. And that came up again and again that it is family. It was just a recurring message that it's family and like Bet and Tina coming back together. It's like returning mm. home. I mean, like everyone else, I was cheering when they got back together. I would not have been cheering <laughs> if they hadn't got back together at the end. I mean, what did you think when that moment happened? Oh my goodness. Not so much what did I think, but what did I feel? Just, you know, 18 years of lesbian <laughs> feelings of Bet and Tina. Will they, won't they? Oh my God. Honestly, I felt so much because it is that thing of the show feeling like an extended family and like maybe the first place you've seen yourself yeah. or certainly a great group of people that you love to hang out with and to catch up with. And yeah. Bet and Tina, there's something about that particular relationship partly because they are the first female characters we ever see in the pilot, partly because they're the characters that the friendship group kind of revolves around, and partly because those two have such undeniable magic chemistry, Jennifer Beals and Laurel Holloman. Yeah. Just gorgeous, gorgeous chemistry. Yeah. That that relationship, you know, it has been 18 years we've been watching it, and we're not sick of it. Like, <laughs> we're still captivated. Yes. It was just fabulous. And it, the line that got me was the was the line of, about coming home and being at home together, because that is yeah. just, oof. Yeah. And also, I think there's something that's really special about seeing a long-term lesbian couple two women who still have such strong, authentic, loving and passionate feelings for each other. Yes. That's something we never get to see. Certainly not, as Jennifer calls it, an epic love story that's spanned 18 years. Yeah. We never get to see that. And as a lesbian in a long-term relationship, it's really fantastic to see that on screen. Yeah, I thought that was gorgeous. Absolutely. I don't think you get to see that. No. Like, for that span of time, 18 years, I mean, whew, it's amazing. It's brilliant. It is. I'm just so, Definitely. I'm so happy, so relieved that they were back together. <laughs> Cheering I was. Yay! So going back to the magazine, Rachel, were there any other features in this issue that, that spoke to you, that jumped out at you? There were so many, actually. There were lots. I thought it was a really interesting issue. I liked the piece about I Was a Bad Lesbian by Sonora Chase. So, you know, that was sort of my era. I wore all those clothes that she was talking about. It's quite funny. Quite a sweet short piece at the end by Valentino Vecchietti called Plant Life Inspires Self-Care. Mm. Valentino says, I know that I am like the damaged plants, like many people with intersex variations when I was too young, people with power forced me to fit in and it harmed me. Learning to care for maidenhair ferns, 
has helped me to learn that meeting my needs matters and it is helping me to heal. On a practical level, I have a maiden hair vine, mm. not a fern. And it's, <laughs> honestly, I know they can, very particular customers, <laughs> a maiden hair yeah. vine. I mean, it's like having this sort of pouty teenager. <laughs> it's in my bathroom. And you go in there and you're like, oh, are you okay today? Or do I need to, I mean, really quite particular plants. But they are worth it because they are beautiful. They're beautiful. Mm. And this idea, looking after your plants, inspires self-care. I like that. Mm. It is that nur- sense of nurturing something. And again, going back to what we said before about something physical. Yeah. Roxy, something you're actually tending to, looking after something. It's a real sort of life lesson anyway, isn't it? You've got to look after this thing. As Valentino says, it makes you realize that you also you need to look after yourself too it's a really delicate little piece as are the maidenhair ferns they're very delicate and they need nurturing I love that definitely and also as Valentino puts it so beautifully in that in that piece which is a really lovely piece especially for the January issue don't try and make the maidenhair fern fit into whatever systems of plant care you might have in your head let the maiden hair fern be the maiden hair fern and tend to it and nurture it and love it rather than trying to you know make it into something it's not and getting frustrated at it I thought that was a really lovely metaphor and a really lovely lesson the way that they wrote that Mm, yes yes absolutely it's not one size fits all and we all need a special little bit of tweaking and care Tweaking. Well, we all need a bit of tweaking. We do. We do. We all need a little bit of tweaking. <laughs> we, we all need a little bit of tweaking, especially in January. And make sure that you've got your devices set so that next week's Jennifer Beals interview just appears in your device, whether it's your phone or iPad, wherever it is that it, it appears. Because you can hear every little sigh and exclamation, close up and personal, every little giggle and laugh. You're getting really close to Jennifer Beals in next week's episode. It's a great interview. She's eloquent, passionate. She's kind of quirky, yeah, yeah. isn't she? And she's also slightly mysterious. There's a bit of mystery around her. So you're always feeling like you want to hear more, which is great. So that's coming up next week. Interviewed by your graciousness, oh, divaness of all divaness, Roxy Bordion. <laughs> and the week after that, we've got the Sex Lives of College Girls cast. Interviewed by our wonderful Nick Crossera. Roxy... Can you tell me a bit, little anything about that? Absolutely. So this show, if you haven't seen it, it's been such a hit, The Sex Lives of College Girls. And it's got this fabulous cast. And Nick, um, our wonderful Nick, interviewed them, interviewed all the, the main cast from the show. And it's a show that deals with queerness and identity in a really, really interesting, compelling, entertaining way. And it's a really, really juicy feature as well. So I think that's going to be a great one for people to listen to, for sure. Brilliant. So that's two amazing things coming up. And then it'll be back to the debrief, which is again, a gorgeous, glossy magazine in your ear. 2023, people. I mean, that doesn't even sound like a year to me, 2023. (laughs) But apparently it is. 2023, it's out there. Let's go get it. What do we have to say, Roxy? Happy New Queer! Woo! Woo, woo, woo! Pod Diva. Thank you for listening to Pod Diva. Queers for your ears. In association with Diva Magazine, the world's leading brand for LGBTQIA plus women, and non-binary people. 
Please listen and subscribe on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Diva Magazine. You can email us at editorial at divamag.co.uk. Share the love by leaving us a review. Pod Diva. Queers for your ears. Pod Diva. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.